Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan and highlights. But first, we take you over to a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're joining us just now on our Facebook live stream, it's Wednesday, January 13th. Otherwise, if you are tuning in on the radio, it's Thursday, January 14th already. I'm John Van Trieste here in a very shadowy Studio 6A. <laughs> Let us know in the comments what you think about our mood lighting. Yeah. Uh, we've sort of toned it down a bit. Uh, I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me in the studio today is Stash Butler. Hi. And Natalie So. Hello. Up next, we'll be uh, telling you about why a COVID-19 case, actually two recent COVID-19 cases, have people playing a memory game. Then the main reason Taiwanese people travel domestically, aside from the fact that they can't travel abroad at the moment, and AI comes to a Taiwanese night market. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Alright, let's play a little game. Let's see if we can remember every place we went in the last, what was it, four days? Every one. Every, four days. Every place. No oh, exceptions. Dear. How many people out there can do that? Let's see. I went to the grocery store. I okay. went to my husband's office. I went to my home. I went here. Let me think. <laughs> What is today? Wednesday? Is this Sunday? Does Sunday? It's yeah. Last week? Okay, I went so. to uh, a church. So. I, and I also went to uh, lunch at Elite. Oh, fancy. Hotel. Well, that's a game a lot of people are playing <laughs> at the encouragement of our health minister. And it's been caused by two recent rather concerning cases of COVID-19. That's right. So uh, our very first doctor uh, got infected with COVID-19 and his girlfriend happens to be a nurse. And so she got infected too. They live together. And so, you know, we do very good contact tracing here in Taiwan. So when someone has COVID-19, you know, the officials will ask you where you've been, who you've been in contact with, and they will even announce it to the world. So they have been to, mm. you know, certain supermarkets, um, certain hardware store, a hardware store, um, Let's see. Do you guys want to know where they went? Yeah, well, where's the most interesting place that yeah, they went? Is there anywhere really surprising? Yeah, like a kind of, a, I don't really know. exciting? Like, like a pet a, shop. I don't or, know. Poyet um, uh, Metro Walk Shopping Center, no. PX Mart? Okay. Starbucks? Zenu mm -hmm. Hardware? Yeah, Poyet, well, I guess they were store. getting their, uh, their hardware and uh, their coffee while they were at it. Yeah. It sounds like a rather ordinary four yeah. days. Yeah, ordinary, honestly, but it's nothing too more exciting. exciting. Yeah. But my is, life is more exciting than theirs. So. <laughs> but it is of great concern to lots of people because they were there and had, I guess, COVID at the time. That's right. So they, you know, actually our authorities will um, map out what time they were, mm. you know, at these places. So people can think, oh, no, did I, I run into them? 
Did I touch them? Did I talk I to them? I don't think they're touching me. I don't think they're touching them. Were you <laughs> close <laughs> by? Yeah. Most places mandate masks indoors at That's these true. points. So I think so. there's a less risk than you might think, but still. It is, That's uh, right. Are you guys more nervous now that there's a doctor who had it? No, there have no. been doctors everywhere. It's okay. It. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the kind of the big, I think the bigger scare was, you know, a few months ago when all those sailors came on, on, on the ship. And no one knew where they got it from. That yeah. Man. They went to a lot of places. Yeah, and there were like, you know, 30 of them that all went around walking around night markets, but somehow nothing came out of that. So. I don't know. Well, the, the scarier thing would be if it was someone who was not in the medical profession at all, because then you would be wondering where it came from. If you're a doctor, it, chances are you were treating someone who had it. And so... It's probably under control. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the case in this one. They they were pretty sure that he'd, or he'd been treating a mm. COVID patient before. So it seemed right. fairly clear that he'd got it from, from that so did patient. You, did you guys go anywhere interesting past three days? No. <laughs> I actually can't remember what I did on Sunday now. You know, I think when I get put on the spot, I just forget everything. I have no idea what I was doing on Sunday. It's like when you lose something too, right? You try to backtrace your yeah, yeah. Like, it was cold I so i don't i don't think i left the house That's it was raining true. i've been mm. like under in my covers oh, most yeah. of the time and it was in just, the bathtub it's just been know, very <laughs> taking not hot great, baths not great weather so um that simplifies things a bit but they were out and about and I, it's good to know uh that we can track these sorts of things and That's that right. we have a small enough number of cases that they they can really They're, focus their energies right. on figuring out where these two people went instead of like you know. And if they have come in contact with people in an extensive fashion, those people have to self-manage themselves. Right. So that's kind of how things have been contained here in Taiwan. A lot of contact tracing, a lot of self-management. Yeah. Uh, well, it's good that we know. I'm glad to say that I wasn't at any of those places. But uh, if you were, we uh, be, be watch you know on the lookout for any symptoms. There are many reasons to want to go traveling, whether it's to see something new or, I don't know, just get away from it all, maybe. But in Taiwan, there is one particular driver of domestic travel, especially. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. It's I a mean, very Taiwanese thing. I think it's very Taiwanese. <laughs> I think, you know, if we were asked this question without, you know, seeing the, the headline, I think we probably could have completed it. Yeah. So it, according to a new survey by um, the international hotel booking website Agoda, more than 70% of Taiwanese travel in order to seek out and enjoy local delicacies. Wow. So for it's for food. food. Who thought? They, they travel maybe two hours, five hours just to get that um, cup of yeah. coffee. I mean, I do, I, do, I do find this. I don't know if you get this, but whenever you tell a Taiwanese person where you're traveling, where in Taiwan you're traveling, they go, oh, great food. <laughs> it's like, great food everywhere. Yeah, just everywhere you go. I'm like, well, you could have, that's just sort of, that, that's a given, you know. Right. I mean, I think that's, but it's true. Taiwan does have a lot of great food. Yeah. Um, and certain areas have their own specialties as well. Uh, I think you know, that the city of Tainan in the south is known for sweetening everything. Mm. Uh, if you go to Jai, you can have turkey over rice. Elon has those uh, scallion pancakes, which I love. Mm. Um, there's a bit of something a little bit different everywhere you go. Yeah. So um, do you guys travel for food in Taiwan? No. No? I wouldn't travel <laughs> for food, but, I, you know, I have tried, I've made an effort, like when I went to Tainan and things like that to... To like try some of the local delicacies and things yeah. like that. I, I've been. Uh, it is a cultural difference because it's not only will they travel for food, but they'll they're willing to wait for excessively oh, yeah. long time to eat a specific thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember over Chinese New Year one time, I had to be back at the office the next day because I was covering. It was just me, and I was with a bunch of Taiwanese friends and. They were like, oh, we have to have this particular hot pot. And they were in Taichung, which is a good two or three hours away. Also, there was a lot of traffic 
because it was Chinese New Year. Everyone's oh, out. No. And I'm like, we got to get going, guys. It's like a three-hour wait. And they're like, no, we have to eat at this hot pot. I'm like, there's a bunch of other restaurants, <laughs> right? We could eat here next <laughs> door. Nope, true. we have to eat at this hot it pot It was three hours. It was a ridiculous time. We just stood out that there. That was a physical queue, a three-hour-long like standing. Well, it was. you have to leave your name right, and yeah. then your number. And then they'll just call you whenever there's a seat. And so we went and walked around to some other shops. But I was like, I got to get back. Yeah. Like, People are really willing to wait for food as well. It's the long pretty lines, ridiculous. It's right? like, is it really mm. that good? <laughs> I mean, I don't care that much about a particular restaurant that is I wouldn't wait that long. I would wait that long for ice cream because there is in Taichung, <laughs> on that same trip, we happened to have an amazing ice cream where they had at least a hundred flavors. A hundred flavors. They had, I think, a whole menu of over a dozen chocolate varieties alone. Wow. With that with sounds exciting. African 70% cacao. <laughs> I went to a great ice cream place in Taipei, actually, which has lots of really weird flavors. Have you been to that place? <laughs> I haven't been there, but I know oh, that they have, that, yeah. they have like kind of pork floss. I thought right. they had closed down. No, I they're, they're still they're open. Historical. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, someone has a question for you. Okay. Uh, Yo Jie says, what do you like about Elan? What do I like about Elan? Um... Well, what do I like about Elan? I like the uh, sort of rural ideal. It's much less crowded than Taipei. Much more relaxed. A lot popular weekend spot. A um, lot more greenery and... There's a very nice museum there as well. Which right. one's that? The, the, uh, I always get it wrong. Uh, not the Kavalan Museum. The Lanyang Museum. That's the oh. name. Hmm. It looks like it's... They've built it in such a way that it looks like it's, it's right jutting out of coast, the. Right? Yes, mm. it's right near the coast. Yes, it's a really nice place to go for for like a even. I know some people go surfing. There are a lot of B and Bs right on the ocean, right on the beach, which I I enjoy going there. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Um, and of course, lots of food. Yeah. Right. We got a lot of other people saying hello. Nasir Aziz. Hello. Hello. Sabuj Miabiri. Good afternoon from Bangladesh. She says, and also Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Also Joshua from um, the Philippines. And we also have, of course, uh, Jen Delari. I don't know why I can't see my comments. I can't see all of the comments here. I I'll keep looking okay. and keep saying hello. So um, what are your favorite? I don't think Taiwanese food is very well known outside of Taiwan, honestly, though. Yeah. There's bubble tea. Well, I would, bubble tea, bubble beef tea. noodles. But I'm thinking that um, outside of Taiwan, not a lot of people, not compared to, say, Thai cuisine or Vietnamese cuisine. Mm. I think there's a lot of Japanese, Korean. It's a lot less well known. Yeah. Even dim sum or something I like that. I think it's becoming more popular, though. Uh, what, are th what are the things that you would wait, maybe not three hours for, but a, a, a fair amount of time to eat? I think if someone told me someone uh, somewhere had um, some very good xiao long bao. Uh, what have you been to Ding Tai Pong? I have. I have been to Ding Tai Pong. And there's usually a line, right? Do you usually have to wait? Yeah, well, it depends. Yeah, when you go. But I think recently I've been a few times and we haven't had to wait too long. But normally you're right. It's like an hour and a half. No more of. tourists. That's why. Yeah, probably. That's it. Um, <laughs> But Din, Tai, Din Tai Fung is amazing. That yeah. is really amazing. Yeah. They're really great. And the service is so amazing there, there as well. They like have their oh, eyes trained yeah, on you. They we do. have a comment about food. Okay. Jen Delari says, since you're all talking about food, yesterday I mentioned I hit a local Taiwanese place on the show, oh, but yeah. I was never able to get the names before the show closed. Here's what I managed to have over three visits. And wow, she has the Chinese names here. Okay, what are they? Chuan Wei Niu Rou Mian Sichuan, I think. A Sichuan flavor of mm. beef noodle. Spicy. Lu yeah. Rou Fan, which is a pork braised rice. Also, Chong Yu Bing Jia Dan. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's breakfast favorite for eggs. me. That's the Elan Niu specialty. Dren Bing. Beef. What would you call that? Uh, beef wrapped up in a pancake? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gua Bao. Okay. 
That's good. A, sort of a Taiwanese take on a hamburger. These are all really good. And she likes the green onion pancake with That's egg. That's really good. Yeah, I think I, I, yeah. The, the hot sauce is, uh, is amazing too. I'm not sure what it is. I actually use, had but. that for, for breakfast this morning. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's here, artificial intelligence, and it's specifically here at, speaking of food, a, a night market, uh, not too far from us. Yeah, that's right. So, again, it, it's always something to do with food, I think, in Taiwan. Uh, we, can't and here, an yeah. without, we can't go an episode without mentioning it. No, no, no. <laughs> in fact, it's impossible. So, the, the northeastern Taiwanese city of Jilong has won an award, actually. It's not just sort of using this technology, it's impressing the world with it. Um, for using AI to manage pedestrian movement at the Miao Kou, uh night market. So how the, do they manage it? Yeah. Tell I you uh, don't walk so fast, they've, walk I, over well, here. I mean, I think as far as I can tell so far, it's just kind of, um, it's more kind of looking. And I think you then they send people out to sort of act on it. It's not like they kind of have robots. Oh, it's not mind of, control. That's not like mind control or like <laughs> monitoring kind of it, though. Terminator like style. Yeah. Kind of Robocops. Yeah, exactly. It's a, an AR LiDAR flow system. So that's kind of using light as a kind of radar. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the name, isn't it? Flow management system um, at the kind of exits and stuff. So they're seeing how many people are coming in and how many are going out. Mm. So they can know um, basically how many people are in the night market. Have you guys ever been there? It gets really, really crowded really? over there. Yes. Sometimes you can't hardly walk. I mean, it's just so mm. crowded. So I, I can see why yeah. they might want to manage the crowds. That's a place with a lot of its own specialties that we didn't Other mention thing, already. <laughs> yeah, what does I remember Geelong they have, have good ice cream. It's I not, remember they have peanut ice cream. So it's, it's not actually ice cream. I, I it's think not it's, ice cream. It's made it's with, like, I think, egg. Is it? I think that's what it is. It's like... It's kind of like gelato. The, the, that, exactly. It's very creamy. It's and very creamy. It comes in a lot of distinct... I remember the peanut flavor is really good. Right. It comes in a lot of distinctly Taiwanese flavors. I think I've had taro. Mm. Oh, yeah. The purple sort of root vegetable, very popular here <sighs> for desserts. Uh, also red bean. Um, the the food, like not dessert-wise, but food-wise, I think it's famous for, uh, what's it called? Ding bian cuo. It's a type of like... Oh, I don't know. I haven't been there in so long. It's a, like a noodle almost that they cook in a wok. And it's very thin. Uh, very, and they uh, chop it up and serve it in sort of a soup. I love it. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess these these places. I mean, going back to like kind of the the busyness, they do mm. get night markets really kind of packed. I mean, I I think I've been. Have you guys been to uh, Ningxia uh, night market in Tai in Taipei? Long time. Right? Is that right time. around here, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty near. Yeah, yeah. it's like kind of. Near. I heard it's pretty good. It's good, although they've they've kind of it's kind of set up in the middle of the road, so it's really you're literally packed kind of almost Ooh. like three wide and I, I get I got a bit claustrophobic in there <laughs> but I can imagine it's quite hard to what keep. do you eat over there uh, I forget they kind of have everything I've only been there once um but I remember I remember it clearly clearly because um it was during the election and there was a kind of um some kind of campaign march coming down oh, the opposite yeah. way down this night and I'm just like what are you doing here it's too narrow for this kind of thing yeah they, they do that at the night market near my house too they have all these canvassers it's like a whole like a parade too. It's not just the candidate. Yeah, There's, everyone has their uh, sort of electoral. What's it? How would you call it? A uniform. Almost, yeah, exactly. They're their name and waving flags, and it's just like there's not enough space for you mm. here. Please. So that's what they want. All the people, though, right? That's right. true. That's true. Yeah, that's how they a lot of people make their business. So what? What? what what's the award that this? So the award is called. Um, well, so it's. Uh, let's see. 
Um, the award is called the 2020 Global ICT Excellence Award, wow. um, given by the World Information Technology and Surveillance, sorry, it's not surveillance, <laughs> that was a Freudian slip, <laughs> Services Alliance, um, or WITSA for short, okay. for finding tech solutions to overcome challenges imposed by the ongoing pandemic. Um, and then I think she, yeah, she described it as the, uh, uh, who is this, sorry, the, uh, I think this is the chairwoman of the organization, described it as the Oscars in the information and technology world. The, the chairwoman of the organization. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's well, fair that's enough. That's very boastful yeah. of you. <laughs> <doing your> own. <laughs> I know, we should give some kind of RTI award. I know, like, call well, it the, the, it's the Oscars of the radio world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well. Oh, I have some comments here. Okay. So Nasir Aziz says, I live nearby food market. It's called Gina Park. Where do you, which country are you in, Nasir? Soft food is easily available. For example, I like the Zinger Burger as well as Chinese rice. Oh, there's and plenty of that at our night markets, too. Mm. Oh, that sounds good. And then we have, um, oh, he's from Pakistan. He says they're extreme weather conditions right now. And then, oh, Jen says a, a big windstorm in Seattle tonight. Everything is crazy. Hope the power yeah. holds out. It's and gotten freezing cold here. Muhammad Mazuda Rahman is writing from uh, Bangladesh. Hello. Hello. Saifu Furtis says, nice. And okay, so I'll keep on writing in if you want to say hello. All right. Well, a bit of unfortunate news. Um, this is about our coral reefs. Uh, here's a little fun fact. Did you know that uh, although our coral reefs make up less than one one thousandth of the world's Total like coral reefs in terms of scale, we do have one third of the species you can find anywhere in the world just off our shores oh, wow. here. Wow. And I know that there are some bits of Taiwan that are uh, known for their coral, especially in the, su the south, places like Kunding National Park, also Xiao mm. uh, and Green Island. These are two offshore islands that have uh, they're surrounded by coral. I've gone snorkeling there; it's very nice. Green um, Island? Yeah. Um, I want to go there too. Mm. And unfortunately, though, at least thirty-one percent of our the coral reefs and waters around Taiwan are dying as a result of bleaching and this is uh, according to the Taiwan Coral Bleaching Observation Network which monitors coral health every year um, they say that 52% of the coral that we have is under different levels of heat stress while 31% is irreversibly dying because of high water temperatures this is a lot in because of global warning warming but uh, also because this year in particular there were no typhoons oh. we, I think we've talked on this program before about how uh, yeah, typhoons temporarily sort of reverse some of that. Oh, really? For, for water temperatures right. as well. They, right, they sort of churn things up. It's rough on the coral, but I, we, we, I've, we've actually reported on this before. Um, so they're saying that uh, in 2020, average sea temperatures around Taiwan rose to their highest in two decades. Uh, it was During the summer off the north coast, uh, it was about one degree above normal. And yes, I've just learned this, actually. We do have coral off our north coast as well. Oh, really? It's kind of cold for that, but I guess yeah. it's a more temperate coral. Uh, and and un unfortunately, also, the areas where the worst bleaching occurred in 2020 are the areas that I think are probably best known for the coral. So we're talking mm. about, uh, of course, Green Island, we just mentioned. Also, the Penghu Islands. Right. Another oh. snorkeling hotspot. Um uh, I think it's really nice that we have people who are on the case 
like I guess on a professional basis. They've got a quote here from a diver who helps document the conditions. I guess mm. that's his full-time job. That's kind of that's interesting that they uh, have someone doing that. And he said that the underwater temperature, uh, it doesn't say what time of year, uh, but when he went diving was about 34 degrees near an uninhabited island off Penghu. And that's hot for seawater. Yeah. 34 we, degrees. That's, that, we're talking centigrade here, right? Yes, yes. Wow. Um, and he said it was white everywhere like snow because it's oh, just wow. bleached. Oh, that's so sad. So it's the heat that's kind of the bleaches it then. Is that what right. it is? Right. Uh, rising temperatures and also no typhoons to temporarily mm. relieve that. Uh, this year we haven't, we didn't have a single real typhoon. I mean, I, know, I just arrived and I was, I was promised typhoons. I want my money back. <laughs> no, I, nothing. Not, you know, this year was very quiet. Yeah. Everyone um, kept telling me, oh yeah, oh, just you wait until July, there'll be typhoons. Uh, and then there were none. Mm. And I feel cheated. Frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you've at least gotten an unseasonably, one of the coldest winters I can remember. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, uh, he says it's unlike anything he's seen in 20 years as a diver. So... They've set sort of a goal. Of course, we need to obviously reduce greenhouse emissions. And this diver says that if carbon emissions can be halved by 2030, but just back to their 2016 levels, just four years oh, ago, wow. uh, five years ago now, uh, we may be able to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050 at that rate. Really? Good. Um, I'm not sure if that's enough. To I mean, uh, 37%, like I said. Oh, sorry, 30, uh, 31% is irreversible. So... Uh, I'm not sure if that's that's probably just too little too late, but it's enough to save at least a little bit. Uh, at that rate, we'll have limited global warming by 1.5 degrees, which is going to save 30% of coral reefs worldwide. And uh, probably since we're less than one one thousandth, a significant percentage of uh, the coral reefs off our coasts. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it is very sad because it says of the 700 species of just t stony corals worldwide, 250 are found off our coasts. Wow. So, That's pretty exciting, though, that Taiwan, uh, there's so much to see. In, there uh, is, well, for now. So mm. we need to do uh, take this uh, very seriously. It says that, you know, the optimal water temperature for coral growth is just in a very narrow range, 23 to 28 degrees Celsius. And it was 34 um, when you... When, when, when this diver went. Yeah. Wow. So, so way above. A lot above, yeah. Um, and it says that uh, what, what happens that causes the bleaching specifically is that... Uh, I'm not sure if this is voluntary or not, but in unfavorable conditions like water that's too hot, what the coral will do is expel these symbiotic algae, which I guess allow them to live. Mm. And that causes bleaching or de and death. So sounds like yeah, sounds uh, like voluntary. Or maybe we just need to find more uh, resilient algae. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, we're talking Xiaoliuqiu, Kanding, uh, the northeast coast, the entire northeast coast, and the outlying islands of Penghu and Green Island all are seeing very severe conditions so hopefully uh, we can get it together <laughs> so what was it like uh, snorkeling in green island oh it's beautiful very shallow we didn't go oh, far very shallow. Mm. we didn't go far uh but it was very brilliant colors I'm thinking of going there I green island been there. it has like hot springs in the sea right it's not, I, have i got that wrong it's mm. a little bit disappointing it's a hot oh, really? spring by the sea oh okay i was <laughs> told it was in the sea and it's a uh, sort of been turned into sort of a community pool like it's all right. concrete tubs and it's not natural at all oh, but okay it is a very lovely place uh with a sad history also of former con mm, convict right. island but uh lots of good food once again really? i had a uh, yeah uh, they there's an edible type of algae it's like oh. it's kind of like chewy wow. and they use they make desserts out of it there Ooh, uh, and i actually really enjoyed that a lot um and yeah you can just get us borrow a little snorkel and they'll there's a guy they give you little flippers 
and it's really very shallow. I gotta check it out. It's yeah. like a fun thing to do. Well, and in Penghu as well, I've been snorkeling. That was You've been much, there too? much deeper. Really? Um, but very, very brilliant colors and lots of the brain coral, especially. Oh, wow. That's very cool. So I hope that we can save all this coral. We have a lot of it. That just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Stash Butler. And I'm Natalie So. Don't go anywhere just yet because up next it's, it's hashtag Taiwan and highlights. Hi. Hello and welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. In this week's show, we're going to be talking about a news TV station trying to renew its broadcasting license. Sounds boring, doesn't it? But in reality, people have been watching this renewal process for a long time. Why? Because the TV station in question is called CTI News. They're known for being quite outlandish and outspoken, and most importantly, they're pro-China, which runs contrary to the policy of the current administration of Taiwan. In fact, during Taiwan's most recent presidential election, this news station became somewhat notorious for giving a lot of skewed coverage to one of the candidates. Anyway, these are all details that we'll get into during this week's Hashtag Taiwan coming up next. Don't go away. In a previous episode of Taiwan Insider, Andrew Ryan broke down political leanings of Taiwan's biggest media outlets. Today, our story will focus on one of those outlets, the TV station on the far right, CTI News. CTI is on the blue end of the spectrum. That means it supports the opposition KMT. But notice it also has a red star. That's because CTI is pro-China. CTI is owned by the Wang Wang Group, which also owns the China Times newspaper. The chairman of Wang Wang is Tsai Yanming, a businessman who's very politically active and advocates for China-Taiwan unification. CTI was criticized during Taiwan's presidential election for giving disproportionate coverage to the KMT candidate Han Guoyu. Taiwan's National Communications Commission says CTI dedicated as much as 70% of its airtime to the pro-China candidate. CTI's coverage on Han Guoyu wasn't the only thing that NCC took issue with. In July 2019, it fined CTI 51,000 US dollars for disseminating fake news and not having proper fact-checking measures in place. In recent months, CTI has been in the spotlight because its broadcasting license is set to expire on December 11th. That meant the company needed to renew its license with the NCC. In the past, renewing a license was a matter of doing paperwork. 
However, for the first time ever, the NCC held a public hearing for whether or not to renew CTI's license. On Wednesday, the NCC announced that its seven commissioners voted unanimously not to renew CTI's license. The NCC said that CTI had a poor record during its last license period. CTI was responsible for more than 30% of all the complaints it received for television channels. It went on to say that CTI infringed on the NCC's rules 25 times over the past six years, 23 of which resulted in fines totaling 400,000 US dollars. One of the reviewers pointed out that CTI does not have the mechanisms in place to reply to viewer complaints. Furthermore, CTI has been fined multiple times for the same offenses, meaning their internal review system is lacking. I think it's important to mention President Tsai Ing-wen's administration advocates Taiwanese sovereignty, so they're at odds with CTI. Many speculate that the NCC's decision to shut down CTI was political revenge. Immediately following the announcement, CTI News posted this to its Facebook page. It says, The Tsai administration has shut down CTI News. Freedom of press is dead. Rick Lin responded to that thread with, No need to worry that CTI is gone. We still have ET News and TVBS. If you're confused about that, then just go back to Andrew Ryan's chart. But some responses to Lin's comments say that both of those channels have switched allegiances. The KMT also responded on Facebook. It called on the NCC to give concrete reasons why it didn't renew the license for CTI News. It went on to say that the party is worried that CTI's closure is a slippery slope that will threaten freedom of press. The DPP said on Facebook that it will respect the decision of the NCC and emphasized that the commission is an independent government entity. The pro-independence Taiwan State Building Party posted this picture. Judging from the confetti, I'm sure you can tell how they feel about the issue. The NCC's announcement pretty much shuts down the station. But if we go back to Andrew Ryan's chart, we see that there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 other major news outlets in Taiwan. But let's be real, you only need one. Because that's where I am. Now, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Hashtag Taiwan. And as always, I encourage you to check out the original video, which you can find on the Taiwan Insider Facebook page or the Radio Taiwan International YouTube. Now, Taiwan Insider is a weekly news magazine produced by Radio Taiwan International. If you like Hashtag Taiwan, odds are you'll like Taiwan Insider. Anyway, until next week, I'm Leslie Liao. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. One form of art that has brought many people comfort and inspiration throughout the pandemic is music. That's right. And I actually interviewed a concert pianist, Xinyi Huang, who would record himself playing the piano and then he would post those videos on the internet with the hashtag quarantine music. He told us why people responded so positively to his videos. So I was doing it at first just to share music, but then people started to comment on it and then uh, people enjoy it and they find like sort of a safe space for them every day, a couple minutes just to reflect on how they feel and stuff like that. And then it, I was really inspired. So then I started to take requests and stuff like that. And then just to learn a piece every day. And it turns out to be a lot, a lot more work than I expected, but you know, it, it's wonderful. 
Now, Natalie, you also looked into the science behind why music can help reduce stress. There are many neurological responses in the brain when we listen to music. There's an increase of immunoglobulin A, which boosts our immune system, and natural killer cells, which attack harmful bacteria and germs. Connecting with music also increases dopamine, which makes us happier, and reduces cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So whether it's creating, playing, or just listening to music, it soothes our minds. Music actually alters our brain waves, which helps us relax. It can even help you overcome insomnia. Listening to calming music in a relaxed position for 45 minutes helps you fall asleep easier. The beauty of music is it distracts us from our worries. And it's a creative outlet that helps us explore and express our deepest emotions. So Natalie and Leslie, what did the two of you think about the power of music? Leslie, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, Andrew, was a lot more scientific than I thought. <laughs> you know, this goes out the realm of my expertise, but I used to think music sounds good, music makes me happy, happy Leslie, good. <laughs> well put, I like that. I think of yeah. it as the power of renewal. Mm. Sometimes I feel more relaxed, sometimes I feel more energized. It's a, a kind of renewal. I love it. Yeah. And what better for uh, the year 2021? Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And with me in the studio today is James Fong, who's a filmmaker, um, slash entrepreneur, slash nonprofit starter. Uh, and this nonprofit organization is called SALT, yes, SALT, S-A-L-T, Collective. I don't even know where to start about you, talking about you, because I want to hear everything that you're doing, because you're just one amazing life story here, in, sitting in front of me. <laughs> you know, what is the thing that you really care and focus the most right now? Is it a giving tree? Yeah. Okay, let's start with that. What okay. is the giving tree? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. No problem. Uh, oh, right. Give a little bit of background, where you're from and, you know, why are you in Taiwan? Yeah, uh, so I'm from the States, um, originally from the Bay Area, and I've been in Taiwan for seven years uh, working here. Um, uh, my company, we do film production, and also we're a digital agency that handles a lot of the marketing uh, that helps B2B businesses go B2C. So that's mm. kind of more of the career work side. Right. And, you know, Taiwan's very big on manufacturing and uh, very high-quality manufacturing, but Taiwan's not very strong with marketing and branding. So my company basically comes in and handles everything from the photos, the videos, and gets you onto the e-commerce platforms like Amazon, Lazada, Shopee, and Worldwide. That's, that's pretty much what we do on the work side. Okay. Now, talk about the Giving Tree. Yeah. This is something I'm very excited. So yeah, my nonprofit, Salt Collective, um, started with a buddy of mine, uh, Andrew, uh, three years ago. And um, what we do is we're pretty much a platform for volunteers. In Taiwan, because we realized there was an issue of you know uh, people with our backgrounds, foreigners, ABCs, that come to Taiwan, and because a lot of the nonprofit organizations here are a little inclusive, sometimes uh, there was no bridge. So a lot of my friends always had these complaints and say, "Hey, I want to go volunteer, but man, we couldn't find anything anywhere." So we became that bridge three years ago. So we do uh, monthly soup kitchen. 
servings for the homeless. We have um, orphanage visits, monthly orphanage visits. And then we even have a prison ministry once a year where we throw a party for the foreign prisoners here in Taiwan. Oh, for the foreign prisoners. Yes, foreign prisoners. Okay. Because because all the foreign prisoners here in Taiwan, it's really hard for their family to visit them. Sure. So there's a whole thing of you know loneliness and, and struggles that they have. So we throw a bash every Christmas where we basically... You know, buy all the food from Costco, from KFC, you name it, Pizza Hut. We and then all these <laughs> things people. Things they miss. Yeah, things they miss. And then uh, we even have Southeast Asian uh, volunteers who come and cook their home, uh, home country's Aww, meals just yeah. for some of the Southeast uh, Southeast Asian, uh, some of the inmates there. And okay. you should see the plates that these guys stack. <laughs> like food is falling off the plate as they're coming to grab. It's 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 crazy. It's such a good time. Oh. Yeah, because I was thinking that okay, there's I think there's quite a few soup kitchens mm -hmm. and all these you know volunteer and community works, but yours is mainly the members are mainly expats. That's why. Yeah, that, expats. That's yeah makes you stand out differently from others. Okay. Absolutely, and then um, also like if I ask anyone to name an organization that does it, no one will be able to name it. And uh. so we wanted to, on the branding side, we wanted to be the group that people can actually name. And so that means ramping up on social media, you know, digital marketing is my company specialty. So we also, you know, lay some of the foundations there. And now, like, uh, if you ask around, people actually know what we do. Mm. And, um, and going back to the giving tree, this is something that we started uh, the last couple of years. And yeah. we, we partner up with one of my buddies, uh, Duke from The Key, which is a fitness gym. And, oh, okay. we, and we started very small. Last year, uh, we did, uh, you know, a giving tree at the actual fitness center. And okay. all it is is just a giving tree, a Christmas tree with cards. These are request cards from, you know, uh, underprivileged kids. Okay. I'm talking about orphans, orphanages, and, you know, kids with disabilities and those kind of things. And last year, our goal was 300 cards. Mm -hmm. And um, we sold out in 90 minutes. And we ended up actually doing a, uh, 150 more. So we ended with 450 last year. And that experience really opened my eyes a bit. Um, you know, I, I, I always knew that Taiwan is a very generous country. People mm -hmm. have a lot of love here. But, like, I mean, selling out 300 cars in 90 minutes, that's just ridiculous. With no marketing, no branding, no nothing. And so that really uh, paved the way for me to, you know, for us, our team, to actually go big this year. And then we basically scaled it. So this year, we held a launch event and have a thousand kids and this year we also included some adults too so there's some organizations where uh you know the mentally challenged yes and also we're working with a, a school uh for the blind okay. in in taizong and okay. so we're covering quite a lot of ground this year and it's kind of interesting because i think that you know by human nature people like kids and we do yeah. when we do events like this people are like oh wait how come on the card it's like a 30 year old uh -huh. And so one thing we're doing on the marketing side is actually we're taking pictures and getting pictures from, from our adult organizations to show people, hey, there's actually a need there as well. And we want to bring that into awareness. And another area I want to go into next year is also the elderly homes. Right, so right. I like to cover the orphanages, the soup kitchens, and also the elderly. I feel like that's another area that's really desperately have needs, but there's no awareness. And so we're trying to do that with salt. Uh, so what you do is you first get in touch with these orphanages or, mm -hmm. you know, these these schools or whatever or, you know, low-income families. So you first get in touch with these before you know how many kids need gifts. And then you set up the tree. And then you find people who are willing to buy gifts for these kids. 
Absolutely. Is that how it works, right? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Okay. So we, we're working with around 17 different organizations on the recipient side. So that's like, you know, different orphanages from all over Taiwan. Like I said, the School for the Blind and then, uh, and then a bunch of other different organizations that have needs. Mm. And then uh, this year, we actually started adding in businesses. So we have a ton of businesses that joined in with their satellite trees. So, for example, um, you know, let's say Tame Fox, which is a cafe and then R&D lounge or even some of my friends, um, their own companies, they set up their own giving tree. And so like an for, actual tree, an actual tree. Mm. So like if you go to uh, Breeze Center uh, in Xinyi area where Taihu landmark, you know, the, the, the beer place. Right. There's a huge tree outside and it has okay. our sign, you know, giving tree okay. uh, TW with our hashtag. Um, and then it has cars on there. So mm. literally any stranger can go up there, pick a card, sign their name, put in their information, and then they go ahead and grab the gifts and then wrap it and then bring it back to Taihu. And Taihu will go ahead and deliver the gifts to the organization they're in charge of. Okay. And we, of course, by, send... By send, mail? No, in oh, person. In person? In person. And oh. we send our team with them. So we go in there together. And... Uh, and if, if they don't want to, they say, hey, you know what? We're busy. We can't make it that day. That's okay. Then our organization will come and pick up the gifts the day of and okay. then bring it to the recipient organizations ourselves. Oh, how many people are on your team right now? We have a group of seven volunteers that are very much dedicated from Salt Only Collective. Only seven. Only seven. And then we have some support from, you know, the key um, okay. and some, some of the, you know, that's also one of our spots where everyone drops off the gifts. Oh, okay. So, I mean, look, the, the, the only thing we're trying to do is literally try to, you know, show love. Like, I feel like generosity mm. is like a muscle. Mm. And if you don't work it out, if you just are very selfish and very narcissistic, which is really easy to do in this kind of like, you know, social media driven mm. era that we live in, where we just take selfies and, you know, do videos of yes. ourselves, TikTok all day. We forget about the world. We forget about, you know, outside of ourselves. So all we're trying to do with salt is to get people to... You know, have awareness that the world is bigger than yourself. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So the giver never meets the recipient. Uh, no, the giver also has the option to join along if the schedule allows. So, for right. example, um, let's say the giver goes, hey, we'd like to also visit, you know, this particular thing. And of course, we, we, we do have to, you know, do some filtering because it's a very sensitive, you know, depends on the schools. It's, it's also very sensitive if you're talking about orphanages and identities, right. you know, like, um, so we do need to do some background filtering and whatnot. And same thing for our orphanage visits we do monthly. Like, we're not going to just let a random person come and join our orphanage visits. We, we need to know, you're going to have to come you know, volunteer with us a couple of times. We get to know you a bit, your background, you know, where, whether we can find you, you know, like whether you're mentally stable mm. before we invite you to join our orphanage visits. Mm. So that is definitely, if you don't have that filtering system, then you're not being very responsible. Yeah. And we as an organization have to do our due diligence. And that's why all the businesses that we include, we don't just include everybody. These are mm. all businesses that either I personally know the owners or the people running it and mm. or they have a very solid reputation. Uh -huh. um, otherwise, we're not just going to include random random businesses. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. Oh, that is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, and yeah. it's and that's not even my like job. That's just a part time right. thing. And then I can say all of us probably contribute more than twenty hours a week, um, easy. And mm. for this giving tree this year, we're probably doing like I would say thirty hours a week on the side. And mm. you know, we don't get paid. It's not about the money. It's about 
you know, the satisfaction of really trying to, you know, make this world a better place. And yeah. I feel like Taiwan is the perfect place because people do have the love mm -hmm. to give. It's mm -hmm. just having a platform to give that love out. And we saw the missing link and then we became the bridge and, and then to fulfill that. Would you recommend that the same giver give the same recipient every year so that there's sort of like a bond building? I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? That's actually a very good question. And that's actually, you're, you're actually hitting a, a very interesting topic because uh, for our orphanage visits, that is actually one of our main goals. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is that, like, what's the point if you're going to visit these kids and then you only go once? And let's say you made a connection with the kid and they really, you know, expect you to come back. Yeah, yeah, and so actually we, we have a, we have certain rules. So never tell the kids, promise them or say anything you can't fulfill. Uh -huh. So don't tell the kids, hey, I'll see you next month and you don't show up next month. Right. Don't do that. Right. That's not cool. Yeah. Because these kids, they don't have much. No. And to them, the influence of being able to hang out with you, it's special to them. Mm. And to them, they see you as a big brother, big sister. So when you let them down... That disappointment can be, you know, and the, a lot of these kids already went through trauma, a lot of trauma, yeah. uh, abuse, family, domestic abuse from the parents. You know, like there's a lot of orphanages that have kids that come from that background. So, yeah, that's one thing. And that connection and that prolonging that relationship and really going consistently, that's a huge, huge thing that we always try to, you know, imprint. So there's a few organizations that we actually work with on a regular basis that we're trying to establish that with. And mm -hmm. one of our priorities is like, hey, you can't commit to this and then not show up. We're not a, hey, one and done kind of thing. We're not here to do your little PR. You can take some pictures and feel good about yourself. That's not what this is about. If you want to volunteer at this orphanage and do this, it's got to be a long-term thing. Now, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like every week or whatever, but at least keep it consistent maybe once a month, every two months, um, and to have that relationship and keep it going. So what's the future, the eventual big picture of Giving Tree? I mean, to go I, beyond Taiwan. <laughs> uh, my first, one of our first milestones, like I would love to one day achieve is to find um, quality organizations that really need the gifts. And I would like to find every marginalized, you know, like kid in Taiwan mm -hmm. and really be able to provide them a spark for Christmas. Like, I mean, last year I got a card. I picked a card and it was a kid that literally said, hey, Santa. Uh, I would like a bike so that uh -huh. I can bike to school. I have to walk to school like an hour every day yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I look at the car. I'm like, man, and we have a limit, 2000 NT. So I went right. online, bought the bike, sent it over. And the kid sends back uh -huh. him riding the bike in a video thanking me. Wow. I mean, come on. Like that for me, just like that did it. Like, yeah. You don't need to say nothing. I'm a, I'm a part of this every year, whether as, uh, you know, the person helping running it or as a, you know, participant. Because for me, that's meaningful. And there is a lot of kids that need this. Like this gift will make their year. Like this kid, think about it. This kid now can ride to school every day and save about, let's say, you know, 50 minutes a day. Yeah. And uh, his life is a lot easier just because I spent 1500 NT on a bike. How did you manage to get a 1500 NT bike? PC I home. Because <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> How you really got it? Yeah, you have to really follow the rule and stay. I mean, yeah, you, you have couldn't... to. Yeah, and, and there's there's also you know, uh, wow. we're not going to enable. Also, we don't want to do any enabling, um, and we want to be fair. So, for example, let's say we have two kids within the one in the same organization. One kid asks for an iPad, and it's above the limit. And it's five thousand yeah. NT, and I go, okay, all right, cool. I'm going to get you that iPad. Uh -huh. The next kid stayed within the rules of two thousand yeah. NT, and he asked for a pair of shoes. 
Well, guess what happens when the kid, the kid with a pair of shoes sees a kid with the iPad? Okay. What's he going to do? Next year, he's going to ask for the iPad. And then when you say no, he's going to be like, no, 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 no. But you gave him last year the iPad. So therefore, I should get the iPad too. Yeah. You're fair, right? Yeah. We don't allow that. That's, that's right. why you have to have these certain, yeah. you know, like uh, rules set in for that particular situation. So you have to tell the kids that they can't, they, you know, whatever they ask for. Mm-hmm. can't. So they get filtered too. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Yeah, so the organization... They ask for a house and he's like, uh, um, let me tell you, kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. You got to set the ground rules. All Otherwise, right. like I said, the enabling um, sets in and then there's, you know, like, then it's going to become something very negative. Wow, I'm so convicted by what James Fong is doing in Taiwan because he's not even Taiwanese and he's doing so much for the people here in Taiwan, especially the underprivileged. Next week, we're going to start off with talking about this other thing that he's doing, which is the reason why he's in Taiwan, him as a filmmaker. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz, in South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.